Hey, thanks so much for stopping by the Roar Church Podcast. This is Pastor Anthony. We're believing that today's gonna be a great day. Let's jump in today's message. Hello, Roar Church. I am super excited to be speaking to you guys today. It's been a while, and I am looking forward to what God has told me to bring to you and your families today. So if you have your families in the house with you and they're not in the room with you yet, they just missed incredible worship. It's not too late though, because I have a huge announcement coming up. But for now, I want you to get your families together, make sure you guys have um, your pad of paper and you're ready to take notes, because you know what we say. And I believe that God is gonna do amazing things today through what he's told me to reveal to you. So I'm gonna pray really quick and then we're gonna hop into it. God, I pray that you would have your way in this message, God. God, I pray that you would use me as an open vessel to say the things from your heart, to say what you wanna say to them, God. May the things that break your heart break our heart. May we be open to learn and hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hear you guys saying amen. Just type it. Amen, amen, amen. So before House Fire series, which we just ended, give it a whoop whoop because that was an amazing series. Four parts. I loved, we just played Part three, I think, the conversation back because it was that good. If you haven't seen it, you guys can go back and catch up on our podcast, on our YouTube. Make sure to like and subscribe. We need those ratings so we can get it out to more people and it can reach more people. But before we did House Fire, we did what? Pentecost. And we talked about the importance of Pentecost. And I did a message specifically called 50. And it kind of breaks down the numbers and how important it is that we look at the Old Testament to really value the New Testament and to understand it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about with 50, I'm not going to break it down because it'll take some time to do that. But the basis is, is that Pentecost is day 50. It happens. Jubilee is the 50th year, and this is the 120th year that that's actually fell on the same time, same place. And there's 120 disciples in the upper room. So there's a lot of things symbolic that are happening that are parallel today with actually what we're going through as a nation with the pandemic. So I want you guys to go back if you hadn't got a chance to watch it yet and watch the whole series of House Fire. But before that, it's so important that you actually see the foundation of Pentecost for you to truly understand what it means to have a house fire, to have a fire in your home. Without that knowledge, it's kind of hard to grasp exactly what that means. So I want you, I encourage you guys to go do that. We talked a little bit about what happened after Pentecost. Briefly, during the conversation, we talked about Peter and what happened after. We talked a little bit about the Gentiles and the Jews. And I want you guys to know that today we're gonna to be diving in again, because I love Pentecost so much, about exactly what happened after Pentecost, um, after the house fire caught on us, exactly what happened with the disciples. Bottom line, Pentecost should have changed you. It should have changed you. If you really received it, you should have had a heart change because it changed the disciples. It truly changed them. Before Pentecost, before the Spirit came, one, the Spirit wasn't dwelling in them. It was upon them, right? So it's different when you've got something on you than when you've got something in you. You kind of walk a little different. You kind of talk a little different. That's truly what happened with the disciples. They were no longer just sheep wandering, waiting for their shepherd and learning and asking questions. But there was a boldness about them. There was something different about them. In fact, it says in Luke 24, 52, this is the NIV, Luke 24, 52. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. 
So what's important about that scripture is that was actually right after Jesus ascended into heaven. Now during 50, we talked about Jesus being with them for 40 days. And those last 10 days was when they were waiting upon Pentecost and the Holy Spirit to come in them. And so they had been waiting and learning about Jesus. Jesus had been crucified and arose again. And when he finally got back to them, when he leaves, it says, then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I read that and go, why, why are they so happy? They were mourning for the loss of their savior. He came back and they lose him again. And they return home, it says, with great joy. Why were they happy? There's only one reason that they were happy. Because they finally got it. They finally were able to grasp and understand what the gospel, what Jesus Christ was all about. They finally understood what he meant. The teachings, the revelation, they were able to grasp onto them. It even says during those 40 days that they accelerated in knowledge. Jesus said, open their minds, God, that they may truly grasp and understand. So when he left, they weren't grieving, they weren't upset. In fact, they returned home with great joy because they understood exactly what Jesus had been trying to give them the entire time. Before Jesus left, they were depending on him. But when Jesus left and they had the joy, they could lead others at that point. It finally clicked in. And then what was the next thing that happened to them after Pentecost? After the spirit came upon them, they were sent out into all the world. And that is what the gospel is truly all about. Roar, it's not about you. It's about saving souls for the kingdom. That's what the gospel's all about. Jesus was about reaching the one, right? He was about reaching the lost one. No one was unimportant to the kingdom of God. Souls was the main, the main reason he did it all, was to save us, souls. Even though they went out, they were persecuted for their message. Yet they never gave up. I don't have it in my notes, but I can just tell you, I know you guys have heard it before, that the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, if you want to call them that, they suffered great persecution everywhere they went. In fact, I don't even have it on here, but they would send a couple of the disciples ahead of time to kind of search out the area and see if they were accepted to Christ. And if those people were open, even with Timothy, I remember Paul, he would say, Timothy, you go check it out. And Timothy said, they're open. And then they would come and they would swarm and they would lead people to Christ. And what I loved about the disciples, because they are bad mama jamas, they wouldn't just come in and go, oh, let me just get to know them. No, they were like, listen, Jesus is the truth, the way, and the light. You need to be saved. You need to repent for your sins right now. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can be baptized in the water, and they do it. But I read today, and I was telling Anthony how amazing it was to me that after they left those places, I guess I just assumed that they didn't go back and check on those people, that they were, you know, they were operating as evangelists. They were going into the mission field, and they left. But in fact, Paul said, can you go check on them? Go check and see Go check and see how those new believers are doing. And they would walk for weeks, two and a half weeks, to get to that place to check in on them. And I know when they would come back and they would have good news, it's nothing like being a leader, being a shepherd to a flock, and checking on you guys, and you guys saying, it is well. God is good. Everything may not be lining up, but guess what? God is real, and he is moving in my family's life. There's no greater joy. So even though they fought, they won. They fought against the world to win the world. How crazy is that? They found themselves in a battle 
without him beside them, good versus evil. I know we can all relate to that. And then they turned the world upside down. Why? Because they fully understood the power that was now within them. They understood two things, write these two things down. The where and the why of Jesus's departure. In Psalms 34, 8 through 14, NIV says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We all say, oh, there's songs about it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, his mercy endures forever. He is great and greatly to be praised. But we forget, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Why does that stand out to me? Why? He is our refuge in trouble, not from trouble. It says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Under the shadow of his wings. In him. He doesn't keep us from trouble. But we can find our refuge in him. And I got to be honest with you guys tonight. I'm tired. I am tired of fighting. I'm tired of warring in my prayer time and not seeing the things of God that I know need to come to fruition. I'm tired of fasting and telling people I'm fasting when I won't eat. And really, it's just I have a loss of appetite because I'm tired from the fight. I know I'm keeping it real right now. I'm tired of focusing on what others should or could be doing. Sometimes the battle isn't with them. The battle's within. We overcame our church being robbed and we fought for that money. We overcame our family being physically threatened in that time. I know some of you aren't aware of that. That was what's happening. But we fought for freedom from that contract. We overcame a complete start over for a church plant. We planted twice. We did it again. And we fought every inch to do that. Jake, I want you to show them this. We overcame the church shutting the doors. Roar, shutting the doors for the second time. For COVID, churches around the nation shutting their doors. And what did we do? We fought to keep you and your families engaged by turning our personal home into a studio, as you guys will see. We fought because it was important to us that you stay connected, that you stay engaged, that you stay connected to the vine. When offerings are low, we fight with our personal finances to keep us afloat. We'll keep fighting. There are things that still need to be made right, and we will fight to make those things right too. Just because we fight for all this doesn't mean we don't get tired. I was sitting on my hammock the other day, and I was out in the backyard, and I was just resting. Just like I told you, I was tired. I was having just a little, a little chit-chat with God. And I was saying, God... What do you want us to do? What left is there to fight for? I was upset about not being with you all. I was upset about thinking about all of our kids that miss the community and miss worship. I was upset about not having a building. I was upset about the money missing. And I wanted to throw in the towel. In fact, I knew I was going to get up from the hammock and I was going to walk in the house and tell Anthony, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting because see, when you really fight, when you really have a disciplined prayer life, let me tell you, it takes the energy out of you. When you really dive into a thing and you get into that warfare mode, it drains you. 
physically, spiritually, emotionally. It's tiring. And I was done. And I just sat there rocking, thinking of everything that could have went a different way. And I heard this little voice in my head. He said, Britt, you still got a little fight left in you. I said, okay, God, if you say so. So I got up and I came and I began to write this message. And I felt like God say, you need to begin to fight from a place of victory instead of fighting for victory. When you fight from victory, it's not as tiring because he's already fought and won the battle for us. When we start to change our mindset and truly understand what a fight we're in, we'll understand that we're fighting from a place of victory, from a place where we've already won it. We don't have to labor as much because the Bible says how it ends. We know how it ends. But we get stuck in our flesh and we get stuck in our fight. And he said, fight from victory, Brittany. Literally days before COVID happened, we were having church and we were, we were praying in the altars. We were praying with the intercessors. And I don't know if some of you guys will remember, you can type if you did, because I'm pretty sure you guys were all there. And I began to just from my belly as I was praying, say, hold the line, hold the line. And I told the intercessors, when you pray, you pray and you hold that line. You hold the line. And when I was doing that, I wasn't quite sure exactly what that meant. I'm not an army person, but I felt it in my spirit. Hold the line. Hold the line. When I came and I began to study about fighting, I looked up, hold the line. It means not to yield to the pressure of a difficult situation. For military, of course, it's a line of soldiers withstanding an attack without moving from their positions, standing firm. This isn't new to the Christian walk, the hold the line, standing firm, standing strong. In fact, Paul spoke about it a lot in the birthing of the church. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith. In Galatians 5.1, in the context when he was talking about Christian liberty and freedom, he said, Stand firm, therefore, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Stand. Philippians 1.27, 2 Corinthians 1.14, 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Over and over and over again, hold the line. Stand firm. Stay fast. Right before Pentecost, it says... Acts 1-4, I know it's a lot of scripture. Acts 1-4, it says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. This is Jesus. He's sitting down with the disciples. They're breaking bread. They're eating. And he looks at them and he says, do not leave Jerusalem. Stay where you are. Stand firm. Hold the line. Do not leave Jerusalem until you get what my father's about to give you. You stay. 
They waited. They held the line. The spirit came in them and guess what? They were changed. And then what happened? I told you, they went into all the world to preach the gospel. And guess where they started? Jerusalem, where they were. They started in their home. Where did they go after that? Samaria. Then where? The Gentiles, which is us. They went out after they held the line and they stood firm and they waited for the instruction from the Father. The Holy Spirit came and then they went out and did what they were supposed to do. And sometimes, your church, we need to change the way we fight. I'm reminded about football. I know we're a basketball family, but we've got some football experience. And Ashton was playing in a scrimmage. And they stopped and they said, you guys aren't hitting right. So they started this, this skill, this drill, where they put them one-on-one, -on -one, just like I'm looking at you. And they blow the whistle and they go, go. And they're supposed to run full speed at each other and just lay each other out. It's terrifying, actually. And they'd be down. They'd be kind of down. I won't do it all. I don't want to. He was already laughing at me. I know. They get down and they just burst out. They hit Ashton a couple times. And then I pulled him over. And Anthony said to him, you know why you're getting knocked out? Because you're the one standing, taking all the hits. But the kid with the momentum is coming at you. And just whoever has the momentum, that burst of speed, sends the other kid flying. Sometimes we have to change the way we fight. And we've been standing firm and we've been taking the hits as they come. But guess what? It's time to advance. It's time to expand. And it's time to take the world. It's time to take the nation. It's time to take our homes. It's time to take our communities. It's time to take our cities. We're done holding the land. We're done holding the line. And it's time to take land and take back in this season of Jubilee what God has promised, what God has spoken, and what we have labored for. It's time for our church to stand where we are together and to advance for the kingdom of God. We've held the line like the disciples did and now it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go for the kingdom of God. And I just want to know who's with me. Who's with me? Who's ready to go locked arms and take on the next season of Roar Church? Let me know if you're with me right now in the comments. Right now, God, I pray, God, that you would just stir us up, God, that we've been standing, we've been taking these hits, but we're about to explode in a burst of speed for the kingdom of God. I want you guys to watch this video. You're not ready. You've been waiting for the announcement. You've been ready. What's next? What are they saying? I'm about to tell you what's next when you watch this. Wow, what a <laughs> message, seriously. What a message. It's time to go. It's time to advance. It's time to yes, march. Yes, absolutely. No longer is it time to set safe, but it is time to, to go. You know, anytime that I've thought about God and just the miraculous and, and the miracles that have taken place, you know, from Moses to Joshua, you know, I look at all the things that they did and they were radical radical right. moves of God. It was That's never right. anything that was safe. It was never anything that, that made sense. And today is a great day for us at Roar Church. It's a big day for us here at Roar Church. And we have actually not one big <laughs> announcement, but we have two big announcements. That's right. And, you know, the first, let me just address this. 
our, our church is in a time and a season with COVID and craziness going on. And I know everybody is asking, are we going back to church this week? Can I just give peace and comfort for you so you don't have to have anxiety for the next week? We will not be going back to church this week nor the following yet. Uh, in fact, um, we are still not able to use the build, building that we had been using. And that's because they want their church to be able to have their services freely without worrying about somebody from our church coming in and being sick. And so, you know, the, there's one side of me that, that kind of stings a little bit, but there's the other side of me that says, I completely understand. A, a job of a pastor is to keep his sheep that's right. um, taken care of. And that's so, right. but what it does present for us is the greater need of what our church needs. We need a building. That's right. You know, just like Britt said, we are tired of just existing. You know, the thing that I think we've got to come back to, the original vision that God gave us, um, gosh, this is year 2020 now, <laughs> but in 2018, uh, in September or October of 2018, we were coming down the grade of Camarillo, down the mountain in, into Camarillo from Thousand Oaks. And I saw this valley as we came in of just this dry bones. And it was like God took me up to another dimension and said, get ready, I'm about to breathe my breath of fresh air. And what looks like dry bones is about to become a revival go. army. And, and, and here we are. Uh, a year and a half later and we're still praying and we're still declaring and we want to see this. And you know, the thing that I've come back to over these past couple months, Britt, is, is I'm tired of just doing services. Come on. I, it's nothing that I, I'm not trying to be rude to people, but I didn't come here for a service. I came here to change communities and to change families. And the only way you can really change a community and the way you can change a family, yes, you got, you got to preach Jesus and you, you do all these things, but there is another step that has to go forward and that's getting our own building. You know, we've been doing Saturday services uh, since September and now we are in a season where it's time to go to Sunday mornings. That's right. This week I had a, uh, a broker uh, actually reach out to me and say, hey, there is a church that has came available. Where at, Brittany? Right here. Right here in Oxnard. <laughs> and it literally would give us everything that we need. Yes. It has a kid's auditorium, has a gymnasium. Come on, somebody. Come somebody, on. I'm about to run on that. We're about to have uh, kids YMCA here at Roar Church. <laughs> uh, but it, it gives us an auditorium to have yes. our services. It has offices for us. Yes. And it just, and it, it the potential sets, is yeah, endless. The, the potential, you know, as soon as I heard about it, I, we immediately called a couple of the people on the team. We all went down to the building at separate times. Uh, even yesterday, I walked around the building not one time, not two times. That's right. Not three times, <laughs> not four times, not five times, not six times, but seven times. That's because right. The walls of Jericho <laughs> fall at seven. But I, honestly, with that said, I heard the Lord say, go one more time. And I started thinking, why eight? Because eight is endless. And we are breaking the spirit of not having enough. And God said on this eighth time, you are going to have an endless amount of favor. And so can I just prophesy over you, Roar Church? We are stepping yeah, into yeah, yeah, an yeah. endless amount of favor. With that said, in order for us to get these, this church, Brittany, what do we need them to do? 
We need you guys to partner with us more than you've ever partnered with us before. Yeah. If you're watching, you're like, this is my first time. I feel a tug. I, I don't, I've never even attended Roar. We need you to partner with us yeah. like never before. Even though Roar is built on local generosity, it's also around the world. It's and people global. are watching every week and we need your help in order to lock this building in. Yeah, listen, and just, just so you know, we're, we're trying to reach a lease for purchase uh, deal, but the asking price of just purchasing it is only 1.2 million. Yeah, we need. And uh, essentially, we would probably need between. We I need two million dollars. Two million. Uh, it's but, nothing. And let me just tell you, I, I really do think it is nothing because when you tap into God's wealth and That's you tap right. into people that want to give, two million dollars is nothing. Listen, we could change this city around. Hear me, I am tired of doing just services. We've got to feed the community. We've got to give the community a place that they can come to. Roar Church, it's time to step up. You watching, it's time for you to step up. Yes. In fact, why don't you just put your hand on your heart and say, it's time for me time to for me step, step up. up. The reason why I'm saying this is because our, our church has not always been the greatest at giving, quite frankly. And no offense to the ones that are constantly in the fight with us, but uh, right now, we, we literally live on like a 70-30 split. 70% givers that are occasional and 30% of the givers that get it done for us every month. And those 30%, thank you. And those 70%, thank you. But what we're asking you to do in this month and these months coming ahead, yeah. give like you've never given before. You know, it was amazing to us uh, during the season of Easter, right when COVID hit, our tithes and offerings were the absolute greatest our church has ever seen. That's right. In the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this crisis, our church was skyrocketing with tithes and offering. You know what? That lasted three weeks. Those three weeks of giving was more than any month of four and five weeks in the last six, seven, eight months. And here's what it comes back to. During Easter, we think about what God has given to us and we almost give a, uh, I, I probably should give because it's Easter or I should give because mm. it's Good Friday. And, and, and I appreciate that, but we need to get this understanding tonight. We give because he already gave. Yes. If we do not learn to be givers, we're not understanding what God has actually given us. We give because he gave himself. What are we supposed to give? everything back to him. And it's not just everything back to Roar Church. Listen, you've been praying, God, I want to make a difference. This is your moment. How can you make a difference? Partner with us. Partner with us. Hmm. Up your tithes and offering. You know, a church of, of our size, quite frankly, you know, we should be bringing in between eight to $10,000 every weekend. And we, we're not even anywhere near that. But we should be because it's not the people that's the issue, it's the heart of giving that's the issue. It's the understanding of giving that's the issue. You know, we, we preach it all the time and people think I'm absolutely crazy. The reason why, Pastor Anthony, you're never gonna have a lot of tithes and offerings because you're not preaching the 10%. Well, the reason why most of those people that we said we would never be is because they're not preaching the full gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> In the Old Testament, they gave 10%. In the New Testament, they said, you know what, give according to your heart. That's right. If God has done something for you, you give out of that. Mm -hmm. Listen, God has done great things. Yeah. We have sown massively into this ministry because we want to sow into your families. 
this is the season that we cross this line. We break the spirit of Baal. Mm-hmm. And Roar Church, it's time to get our building. It's waiting on us. Yeah. It's calling us by name. Yes. Let's go. And, and just, as, go. Just, as, just as you're talking, Woo. I feel like God's saying, the gift is in the house. The gift is in the house. The gift is in the house. I, I hear it re- yeah. repeatedly. The gift is in the house. Yeah. I don't know whose house, but it's somebody's house. Whose house? Whose house? My house, your house. Let's go, Roar Let's Church. Go. Let's give We're like we've this never close given before. To finally having a home. We finally have an opportunity to have our own building. Let's, Let's get make it. it happen. Let's do it. Let's make it Sunday happen. Sunday mornings are ours. Mondays are ours. Tuesdays, Tuesdays are ours. Wednesdays. It's time to go. Thursdays. It's time to have Fridays. California Revival first Tuesdays. It's time to have prayer meetings. Come on. It's time to have youth and young That's adults. Right. It's time for us to take a stand, draw Woo! a line in the stand, and become a church that God has called us to be. Let's he didn't call it. us to be just a place of a service. Yes. He didn't call us to just come and be the Cute. prostitute uh, uh, anointing. Yep. Pastor Anthony, he's going to give me a prophetic word today. Let me give to that. Pastor, we might get this today. Listen, it's time to give because this is your church. We are called to make a difference and you are called to make a difference. It's just not me preaching. It's not just you preaching. It's us doing this together. It's time to we will. together. That's right. It's time to march. It's time to march. With that said. What's, there's another one. There's another announcement. <laughs> Woo! Listen, this one gets me so excited too. And Well, let me say this. Go ahead. When you're, when you're advancing... You're taking territory, and it's time for expansion. It is time for expansion. It's not time to take another step back. We are not going nowhere, Roar Church, but we are advancing the kingdom. Look at somebody and say, you. Tell them, you. 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 You watching. It's time for you to help advance the kingdom, and we have a special announcement Today, we start and we release that we are launching a new campus. Where at, Brittany? Orlando. Orlando. Let's go, Orlando, Florida. (laughs) Listen, we are so excited about this. We are so passionate about this. Every week, we have viewers that are tuning in from Orlando, Florida. And Brittany and I had been talking. If it got to a certain number, it's about time that we open up a campus there. And guess what? We reached that number. We reached that time. And so Orlando, Florida, guess what? We're coming coming for you. We're coming. We're coming back home. We coming to get something. Now, let me just tell all my Roar Church family here in Ventura, we ain't going nowhere. We're going to do Saturday nights here. We're going to do Sunday nights there. We are advancing the kingdom of God in the times that it looks like everything is broken, in the greatest times that everything looks like there's no growth that's going to possibly be taken because we got so much chaos in the world. Guess what? There's a church and there's a people that have to arise to the occasion. And the church is looking for a roaring church, not a scared church. And Roar Church, we going somewhere. We just not reach in this county, but we are going to reach a nation. We are a local church with a global outreach. Yes. Orlando, Florida, we coming for you. Let's go. Somebody celebrate with us. Woo! Yo, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> I want to go outside and see how excited Isaac and Michelle are right now. I am. Let's go to those guys. Hey, listen, though. We love you. It's time to advance the kingdom. Let's get that building. Let's get this Let's building get it. here. Get it done. Orlando, stay tuned. We got more details to come because Orlando Roar Church is coming. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today at Roar Church Podcast. We pray that today's message absolutely blessed you. Hey, there's many ways that you can help support this ministry and give to this ministry. And one is by texting the keywords 
roargive277977. Listen, we cannot reach people without your help, and this stuff doesn't happen without the support of many. So we thank you for partnering with us, and we'll see you later.